My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 199. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield. And today we are talking about some course creation and launch successes, as well as some very honest course creation and launch failures. I'm not doing this episode alone. I have a special guest. Her name is Michelle Evans, and Michelle is a student of mine. In fact, she has been a student of mine way back in my Facebook days. She was part of the Profit Lab, and she's very special to me because when I was struggling with the Profit Lab, I knew I could make it better. I knew that I was missing the mark with my messaging. She was one of my students that I got on a phone call with, and I said, okay, talk to me about your process. What did you like? about the program? Where did you struggle? What are you seeing in the Facebook group? Just share with me any insights. And I actually changed the program after I talked to Michelle. She had so much information to share. She was a wealth of knowledge. And so I've always felt very, very thankful that she's been one of my students and she's a little go-getter. And you all know that I really love the action takers and that is definitely Michelle. Now I'm going to let her tell her story, but here's what I do want to share with you before we get into this really special case study. And that is that Michelle is an online marketer that teaches marketing. So she essentially does some similar things as I do in my own business. And I'm always hesitant to highlight somebody that teaches marketing because I feel that you all need to hear from people in all different niches, doing all different things, creating courses. However, I made an exception for Michelle because she's going to share things with you that I have never talked about on the podcast just yet about re-engaging an email list, about how she got testimonials by creating mini offers before she launched her product. You're going to love the examples that she gives. And she's also going to talk about some major failures and how she thought, you know what? I need to go back to my J-O-B. This is not working out. 
She's also going to share with you that she really thought she was going to hit the ground running. Like she was going to make it big right out of the gate because she had some amazing knowledge and skills behind her name. She worked for Microsoft in the marketing department. So she thought, oh, this online marketing course creation thing, I've got it nailed. She was mistaken. So I love that she's so humble and honest and vulnerable. So don't get caught up on the fact that, okay, me, but she does what you do. So of course she was able to make it work. That's not true. And so I want you to really keep an open mind and pay attention to the strategies, the lessons, and the insights that she's going to share all about how she used my program, Courses That Convert. Now, this program is so beyond just me promoting courses that convert. So again, pay close attention to the strategy she shares, but you might be thinking, I'd like to check out your program, Amy. And if that's the case, all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash free. I have a free masterclass all about getting started with course creation so that you really understand what it takes to create a digital course before you actually jump in and buy my course creation program. So I've got a free webinar, amyporterfield.com forward slash free. You can check it out, but I don't want to make you wait any longer. I cannot wait to introduce you to Michelle Evans. Let's do this. Michelle, thank you so very much for being on the show. I am truly excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm excited too. This is so great because you and I have known each other for so many years. And I talked about this in the intro about how we met and how we've actually been in each other's presence a few different times. I love everything you're doing. So I'm very excited for you to talk about your story. So before we get started, give me a little bit of your backstory, basically what you do, why creating courses was a smart move for your business, and really how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, so back in January of 2012, so about six years ago, I made the decision. And Amy, I'm sure you remember this day as well, but I made the decision to walk away from my corporate job. Ugh. And it was a big deal, right? Yes. You remember? Oh, yeah. I remember the song that was playing as I drove out of the Tony Robbins parking lot. It was Here Comes the Sun, which I thought was actually perfect. But I remember everything about that moment. <laughs> Yeah. So as I was leaving Microsoft that day, a January day, it was actually sunny, which is weird for Seattle, but I just had dreams of entrepreneurship dancing in my head. I had been studying and wanting to go out on my own for years. And I finally made the decision after 16 years in corporate America to walk away from my global marketing strategy job at Microsoft. And while I was there, I felt like I've done the work to build up my skills. I've put in 16 years of doing really great marketing work. I've got this entrepreneurship thing nailed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, I had so much to learn, right? Because I thought that I knew all about marketing and teaching courses. When I was at Microsoft, I was kind of like an internal consultant. So I'd go around and fix problems in marketing. And I taught thousands and thousands of marketers around the globe how to do marketing. So I was like, you know, like running my fingers on my chest, like, whoo, I've got this nailed. <laughs> but... <laughs> But like a year and a half into my business, I uh, hit a brick wall, right? <laughs> and I decided that 
I, you know, I'd see all these stories from people about these great launches that they had. And I was like, okay, I am tired of trading my time for dollars. And so a little over a year into my business, I decided that I needed to get in on these big launches that I'd seen all over the internet. And I had this four hour workshop that was selling like hotcakes to lots of companies that you've heard of. And I was like, I will just take this workshop and I will put it into an online course and I will have it made, right? Yes. <laughs> now, you and I both know <laughs> that that is not how selling an online course works, <laughs> but I had to go through the school of hard knocks. Right. <laughs> so looking back, I can see so many issues with that approach. But at the time, I thought I was doing all the right things. But at the time when I put it together and I put it out there, I launched two crickets. Mm. I couldn't even give it away to some of my closest people who had like hired me for workshops and stuff. Like nobody was interested and I couldn't figure it out. And I can have good humor looking back on it, but at the time it was devastating to me. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur. I'm a failure. Like nobody wants my stuff. And I just started telling all these stories to myself. And I seriously thought about going back and just getting a job. Because I was like, if I can't make this work, if nobody wants to buy my thing, I'm never going to get out of this time for dollars. And why not just go back to the easy paycheck where I don't have to worry about the ups and downs of finding clients? Right. But there was this desire. There was this, I was like, okay, if it can work for them, it can work for me too. Something clearly is just missing. And I thought that maybe it was just because I hadn't done the marketing right. That's, you know, my comfort zone. That's what I love to do. So I dove into tons of marketing courses, tons. So I tried to relaunch it about six months later and I did all the marketing right. Like I had, I had a webinar, I had a full video series. Like I had all the things that you would think of to do a full launch, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it still did not work. It's devastating. It feels really devastating when that happens. And I was just like, what did I miss? What? Cause, cause I put so much love and attention into the marketing and, and I mean, it wasn't all bad news. Like I had in that process, I had attracted a lot of people into my email list. So I had done this, but I just the pieces just weren't fitting together. I had, you know, a webinar over here and an email series over here, but they weren't necessarily lined up. And it wasn't all leading towards my course. It was more like trying to prove myself. And I know in courses that convert, one of the things that I love about what you teach, because that's what I really needed was like, okay, how do you get people excited for this course? It's like, do some validation exercises, right. <laughs> figure out, is this really what people want? And I had skipped all of that. So looking back, I can see where I made my mistakes. And, and I'm sad that I had to make them twice, but I'm really glad that I did it because that desire never left me. And I just, after the second failed launch, I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on one-on-one. -on -one. I know I can get one-on-one -on -one clients. That's not an issue. I'm just going to focus there and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch who does courses really well. And I'm going to try to figure out what they're doing that I missed. I love it. Becoming a student in that way is so smart. 
Yeah, because I was like, you know, really, I, I missed something. And I hired some coaches and I hired some people who had done big launches of their own, but nothing was really the thing. I just kept going back to, okay, I just need to get to know my people and my audience more. And really, Amy, for me, it was more, I needed to get to know how do I teach this in a way that a beginner can understand, because that's one of the biggest problems is that I was talking so over people's head. I was used to talking to marketers. Yes. And so as I started like following your courses at Convert Stuff, like I went to the webinars a couple of times and I was like, okay, this is what I need. And when I got into it and you were like, okay, you need to do these validations before you do anything else, validate that this is what you, what people want. And I was like, oh, that's what I missed. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you basically had these two launches that really were devastating in terms of not what you expected. You are a marketer by trade, so you expected big results because of that, and I get it. So many people have been there as well. And then you wrote to me about how you started to work inside courses that convert, and you actually hit some hurdles along the way. So what challenges did you see? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hurdles. <laughs> so the first hurdle was at that time I had so many one-on-one clients that I was literally booked out. Like I was working probably six days a week Wow, easily. And so I felt like I had this, this overwhelming feeling like I don't have time to create a course because I'm so busy doing stuff for my clients that I, I can't really fit this in right now. And I really let that belief hold me back for a long time. And I'm going to be really honest with you. It, yes, I was busy with clients, but did I need to say yes to even taking more clients? Like, could I have made a decision to cut back a little bit? Yes. But I was still kind of fearful and still working through, I don't know, the, the failures that I had. And so I really let that, like, I'm too busy. I don't have time right now. I let that hold me back for a long time. I bet. I think there is something around fear of launching and fear of putting yourself out there. And when you work one-on-one -on -one with people, you don't have to really put yourself out there. So we say we don't have time to create an online course, and I have so been there, but there's more to it than you're just so busy. And I really do think mindset and fear are holding you back in this area. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. And it feels really real. I mean, you've probably been there too. It's like, yeah, I'm really, I'm so busy. But the truth is, is that I just was not making time for my stuff. Exactly. I think it comes down to like life in general where I don't really love to work out. And so I can make every excuse in the book why I don't have time to work out, but it has nothing to do with that. I could prioritize my time so much differently, but I don't because there's that issue there of my mindset around it. So yeah, we could hit that one home forever. It is a real issue for sure. And it truly happens to be in our mind more than anything else. So yes. number two, what was hurdle number two? So number two is I did not have good testimonials for my work. Even though I was doing really great work for my clients and I had really great results for them, most of it was under uh, non-disclosure agreements. So I was doing work for people, but they didn't want me out there saying, hey, I'm doing work for you. Gotcha. <laughs> and that's you know part of what they paid for when they hired me. And so I was like, all right, if I want to put together a course, I need testimonials from people who say, yeah, Michelle's legit and she knows what she's doing. 
and even the some of the testimonials I did have were all about working with me one-on-one and the course was not going to be a one-on-one thing. So I really felt like that was a blocker to me. For sure. And guys, we're going to get to some solutions around some of these hurdles, but first I just want Michelle to kind of walk us through what the hurdles were as she started to get into courses that convert. So, okay. The next hurdle was a problem with your email list. This one's a good one. So talk to me about this one. I know I kind of want to shrivel up because this is kind of (laughs) your platform that you talk about all the time, right? And I know better than this, but I had a really stale list. I think because I was so embarrassed after my two failed launches and because I just kind of dove into one-on-one work where I did not need to talk to a lot of people, I just kind of let my list go stale. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd email them randomly every now and again, but they were like, who are you again? Right. (laughs) What is this about? I think this is so common, not emailing regularly, especially after you feel defeated. So you think they don't even want to hear from me. They're obviously not responding. Maybe I didn't attract the right list. So you just stop communicating with them or just once in a while. And so then it makes it really hard to get this list engaged. So you're going to talk about some ways you re-engaged your list. I love the strategies you used. So we're going to get there, but talk to me about hurdle number four. Yeah. On hurdle number four, it's really, I'd failed so... (laughs) I mean, if to me, like nobody else really probably even paid attention, but to me, I felt like I had this big F tattooed to my forehead, right? right. That everybody could see that I had failed <laughs> prior when I had tried to launch things. And so I, again, I was just really battling my own fears of moving ahead and the stories that I had of, you know, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Maybe I'm not good with selling a course. Maybe I'm just cut out only for one-on-one, but I kept coming back to this desire to want to do a course. And so I was like battling with myself. Okay. So this is good because not everybody is made for doing courses. It's not a good fit for everyone. I've talked to people in my own mastermind and they'll tell me, you know, I don't want to have an online course. I want to be speaking on stage. I like my one-on-one clients. That's what I was made for. And that is fantastic. But just like Michelle said, she has had some failures in this area. So she felt defeated and she thought maybe I need to get a job or, you know, go back to corporate. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe courses is not my thing. But then there was this voice that said that she really wanted to do it. She kept being drawn back to it. So I think we need to pay attention to that. I don't want all of my listeners creating courses if that's not what they want to do. But you kind of know in your gut if it's something that keeps calling you back to it. Would you agree? I totally agree. It's like, for me, it was just something that wouldn't let me go. I would think about it all the time. I would pay attention to what other people were doing. And I just had this desire, like, I want to be doing that too, which is really different than I should be doing that or I should want to do that. It's a really different energy. It is for sure. So I just wanted my my listeners to really hear that. Okay, so now we're going to get into some solutions. But before we do, I just want to kind of recap some of the hurdles that Michelle faced as she started to get into courses that convert. Number one, 
She had so many one-on-one clients that she was working with that she just felt like, I have no time to create an online course. And we make time for the things that we really believe in and the things that we really are passionate about. No buts about it. We make the time for that kind of stuff. So that is a mindset issue for sure. I've been there, so no judgment whatsoever. Hurdle number two, she didn't have any good testimonials. So when she was ready to market this course, she thought, I don't have anyone talking about the material inside my course and the people that could talk about it, I've got NDAs with them. So right away, she felt like no good case studies, no testimonials, which we all need for marketing. So that definitely felt like a hurdle for her. Number three, she had a stale list. So she had an email list, but she hadn't been marketing to them or even talking to them consistently. So she felt like, gosh, I, I feel detached from this email list that I actually have, but haven't been talking to. And hurdle number four, she had some big time failures. They felt like big time failures to her. As Michelle mentioned, no one else knew that she had failed. But she knew. So there were these doubts that kept creeping in. Maybe she wasn't cut out for this. Maybe being an entrepreneur and running her own business wasn't where she should be. So all these stories she was telling herself were really taking over in the moment, which can be detrimental to your success as an entrepreneur. So much of it is a head game. And so these were the hurdles, but Michelle's got some amazing solutions. So are you ready to get right down to it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So first, what did you do to make the time to create the course? Yeah. And this one felt scary until I made the decision and then it felt so right. So I just made the decision to reduce my client load. I knew that I needed at least one day a week and it was not going to be Saturday or Sunday to work on my own stuff. And so I just said, I had conversations with some of my clients and I was like, you know, I'm making a switch in my business. And so I let a number of them go. And then I also added a few different ways for people to work with me. So prior to making this decision, I was basically just building funnels and doing Facebook ads for people. And it took a lot of time and effort and emotional energy, if that makes sense. Yes where I was just constantly thinking about my clients and their business. And so I just kind of filled my head up and my energy up with their stuff. And I was squeezing out mine. And so I needed to make space for mine. And so I started allowing people to work with me more on a done with you basis. So I was more teaching them, but teaching them one-on-one. And so this was really a great move for me because I had to become a lot more conscious about how I was going about building funnels for people or doing Facebook ads for people, because that's what I wanted to do my course on. And so I had to, you know, take a step back and be like, all right, if I am working with somebody who doesn't know anything about this, how am I going to coach them through this and help them through this? And so it helped build the bones, the structure of my course just through this one-on-one work. But then I wasn't responsible for building it out. They were. Gotcha. It was like a, it was like a baby half step towards doing my course. Right. So I was going from doing it myself to teaching people how to do it, but being on the phone with them so I could hear the questions. I could see where they were getting stuck, you know, all that stuff. And then I could say, all right, so if I was going to teach somebody who I'm not talking to one-on-one, what else would I need to add in here? And so it was a really great builder for that. Great strategy. I love that. Moving from doing it for them to teaching them how to do it, which is such a great precursor to building your online course. So yeah. I love the work you did ahead of time. 
Okay, so this next piece, talk to me about how you solved for limited testimonials. You did something that I thought was so cool involving mini offers. So talk to me about that. Yeah, well, and it was really sparked by something that you talk about in Courses That Convert, which is where you do you know, your pillar post and you drive people to it to see if there's engagement. And I was like, I need to do that with the offers that I have in my course. I need to see what's what's really exciting for people, what gets them to actually put money down and say, yep, I want to try this out. And so I did a few different ones. So just for example, one of the things that I wanted to do as part of my course offering, again, this is really inspired by you, was to do a video review of somebody's funnel once they're done with it. Perfect. Because a lot of times people are like, okay, I get why funnels are important for my business, but I don't really know what it's supposed to look like. And so I would say, hey, I'll do a full video review of it. I'll tell you about it. Uh, about what I'd change, about what's working well, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I want to test if this is really an exciting offer for people. So I just offered it as a mini standalone offer. It was $97. And yes, it took me a lot of time. It wasn't really a moneymaker, but it validated that people would, number one, put money down for it. And number two, get a lot of value out of it. And I had so many people do that, that I had to shut that offer down (laughs) because I was like, okay, now I'm overloading myself again. But I was like, okay, that has to be in my course. That is a perfect mini offer for my people. So good. Yeah. And so I had just a few of these to say, okay, is this an exciting part? Is this an exciting part? And these mini offers really allowed me to test how interesting the offer was for my audience again. And by interesting, I don't mean just like getting on the phone and saying, hey, Amy, do you think in some perfect scenario that you would be interested in this. I mean, like they actually are pulling out their wallet and putting money down on it. Okay. So this is big guys, because a lot of the times when you do your validation calls, you, and I've warned against this a little bit inside of courses that convert, but if you ask somebody, would you buy this or this or that? And you kind of explain it to them. It's easy for them in the moment to say, yeah, that would be great. And then what some of my students find is that they put that out there and no one buys it. It's It's like they're not putting their money where their mouth is. They said they'd get it, but then something's stopping them. Michelle went the extra mile to put together these mini offers. And we'll talk about how you can explore some of the mini offers she put together at the end so you can see some real examples. But she put together these mini offers and then people actually bought them and participated in them. So now they're actually in it. So then, Michelle, you went back and interviewed everybody who took you up on the mini offer, right? I did. So I offered them a 30 minute call to talk about the, like the video review or whatever. And then I said, if you will give me an extra 30 minutes to just dive into some specific feedback. And so I just invested a lot of time up front because I was like, I really want to understand what is going on in people's heads? What are the stories they're telling themselves? What are the fears that they have? What, what is it that they're looking for as an outcome of spending this money? And I will tell you, Amy, this was so invaluable. It was invaluable because I felt like I know who these people are. I'm not just filling out some customer avatar worksheet and I just got into their heads. So when I got to marketing my course, I didn't have to wonder what questions people have or what fears that they have or what they've tried in the past. 
I had all of that because I used the questions from Courses That Convert to get really good feedback, but feedback from people who had gone through a specific piece of my mini offer that I was going to put into my bigger offer so that it could speak directly to those fears, those dreams, those things that they wanted. And it not only allowed me to get in their head, but it helped me get really amazing testimonials that were like, you know, Michelle totally knows what she's talking about. I was able to make a couple tweaks and I got so much more out of my funnel or, you know, stuff like that. It was amazing. So fantastic. I love this idea of mini offers because just to be really clear, they were paying for them, right? Yes. Okay. So they were putting money down. They were actually engaging, getting in there, doing the work. And then you got to talk to them and you would find out if they had any struggles along the way or what they loved or what they didn't or the results that they got. Plus you were able to get testimonials from these mini offers, which is golden for sure. So I love this. And again, we're going to explore these mini offers a little bit later at the end of the episode. So stay with us because I think you guys will like what Michelle put together for you. Okay. So moving on, let's talk about list building because everyone who's listening that has ever struggled with an email list, this next piece is for you. I want you to talk about how you kind of got through this obstacle of having a list that felt like it might've went cold on you or just not engaged. So tell me how you reconnected with your audience via your email list. Okay. So it didn't just feel like it went cold, Amy. I had like a (laughs) 6% open rate. Okay. So it was, it was tough. It was like ice cold, right? Yes. (laughs) And so I was just like, I really need to spend some time and give some love to these people who at one point really wanted to hear from me. And so I just laid out a series of list re-engagement activities. And some of the things I did is I started sharing much more of the stuff that I had been hiding. So my failures, my story, my journey, ahas, struggles, like things that in the past I thought, nobody wants to know that stuff. They only want to hear the good stuff. But surprisingly, the more I shared, especially about how I overcame some of those struggles, the more people were like, oh my gosh, Michelle, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it was really, it was great because it warmed up my email list, but it was also validating like other people are struggling with stuff too. I made a commitment to start emailing my list weekly, even when I felt like I didn't have any good ideas. Right. (laughs) um, I was like, I, I need to shelve that excuse and just be like, nope, I'm committed regardless. And even if it feels like it's not that good, I'm still going to get it out there. Good. That's huge. You've got to just get into the practice of emailing once a week. So were you emailing links to like, do you have a blog or a podcast or a video show? Yeah. So I did some videos. I like, I did some other stuff that I'll talk about, but for the most part, I would email either for a blog post or maybe a Facebook live that I was doing or inviting them to my group or just different things. But I started switching more to some how-tos, some, like I I got really clear on what my pillars were, (laughs) Facebook ads and and marketing funnels. And so I just stuck with that. I was like, I'm just going to talk about this stuff until I'm so sick of talking about it. But that's when people start engaging, right? Yes, (laughs) so true. And then, you know, as part of that, I was like, okay, I want to offer some additional value. So I created my first quiz and it went so well 
that I created a couple more quizzes and I started just rolling those out and people would be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm this, or this is a really cool insight about me, or this is the funnel for my business or whatever. And it was really fun to just start to start getting some of that feedback back, start to re-engage people, start to warm them up. I also did a really big pillar post, like what you talk about in Courses That Convert. And I emailed that out, but then I would go back to it and just like talk about specific sections from that pillar post as well, and maybe expand a little more, give a different story or whatever. And this pillar post, basically, I think I call it a golden post inside List Builders Lab, where it's a topic that people ask you about a lot. They find it really interesting. They want direction in this one specific area. So you build out a blog post that you can constantly be driving people to as they ask questions, as you do Facebook Lives, as you're out in the world and maybe at a conference or whatever it might be. We're on the same page with the pillar post, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So I did one of those and then I would just keep referring back to it, which was great. I ran a challenge again to warm people up. This is when I was getting closer to a really under the radar launch of my course. And I did some Facebook lives where I would just, you know, talk about a story or how it relates to marketing. I did some how-to videos. So for example, like I did a how-to on how to install your Facebook pixel and just, you know, some different value-added things. And then I did a webinar where I was, again, just warming people up and getting them ready to buy. And throughout all that, I was able to go from just like in the pits of open rates for my list to, you know, in like the 30-ish, maybe 32-ish percentage of open rates, which is huge from a totally cold and dead list. (laughs) Yes, that's so, so huge. Okay, so I want to recap here. So one major thing you started to do is you started to email your list every single week. And I think that is a game changer when you're struggling with a list that's not responding. So they start to hear from you every single week. And you started to tell stories and talk about your journey and the struggles and just sharing more and becoming more vulnerable, which people absolutely love. And then from there, you did quizzes, you did your pillar post, you did a challenge, you did Facebook lives, you did how-to videos. So you really mixed it up so that you would have different things to email every single week, which is huge. So going from, let's say 6% to 30%, like 30% is way beyond the average of what most people are seeing with email open rates. So you really changed that around, which I absolutely love. So that was a big one here. Now, I want to talk about these quizzes that you did because you rolled out three different quizzes that warm people up for your ultimate offer. And you told me that doing these quizzes revealed something unexpected for you. So what was that? Yeah, so it was really great to see people responding to them. But the best part was I got to see on the other side what their results were. And I did not realize how skewed my audience was towards people who wanted more clients coming in. And I, through one of the quizzes, I discovered that 88%, so a huge part of the people who took the quiz on my list, really wanted what I was kind of taking for granted. They really wanted a marketing funnel that helped them easily and consistently have one-on-one clients coming in the door without having to be really salesy. And since I knew that that's what it was that they were really searching for, that's what their biggest pain point was. 
able to further tailor the marketing for my course to really showcase how my mini offers that I did and ultimately how my course would help them get that one big thing that they wanted, which was a more consistent client flow. And so again, I wasn't having to wonder who these people were, what it was that they were really wanting. I had great quiz outcomes where I could go, oh my gosh, like I have like 1800 people on my list who want this. Yes. I mean, it's huge. Now, what tool did you use for these quizzes? For my quiz, I use lead quizzes. Lead quizzes. Okay. I just, I know that people are going to ask that and we'll link to it in the show notes. Okay. So before I move on to the final solution, how did you get organized for delivering your consistent content week after week? In other words, what did you have to change about you or your business to make those changes work? Because this is a big one. When I am in an audience and I'm speaking on stage and I'll ask my audience, how many of you are delivering weekly consistent content maybe a fourth of the room will raise their hands. And so this is still a struggle with my listeners and my audience. So talk to me about what you had to change about you or your business to make that work. Mm, That's a great question because Amy, probably like a lot of people listening, I had this story that I wasn't very good at content. Mm, Okay. That I didn't have a lot of ideas that I, you know, all this kind of stuff. And the truth was, is that I wasn't trusting myself. And again, I was kind of letting the fear take over. So really to start with, I had to forgive myself for not being perfect straight out of the gates. Yes. And once I did that, and once I released, like, I don't have to have a million dollar launch straight out of the gate. It's okay to have a small one. And once I released, like, I don't have to have a list of 200,000 people to, to be quote unquote successful. If I help one person, find an easy way to have clients in their business. Like that's, that's great. Yes. And so I had to, I had to let like those crazy, huge expectations go. Not that I don't still have those goals and desires, but I had to stop letting the, like where I am now to where I want to be that gulf between them. Stop me. The second thing is I needed to hire some help. I could not do everything myself. So in the past, I know that I was really good at sabotaging myself by taking on everything. I, so I would try to do all the idea generation by myself, the technology, like uh, the scheduling, the behind the scenes work, just letting myself get completely and utterly buried in all of the to-dos. And by filling my time with all of these to-dos, I was really hiding from doing the big work, right? And so I knew that if I wanted to make a change this time, I could not do it myself. And so I already had a VA, but I decided to invest in an online business manager as well. And I specifically chose somebody that was really good at having big ideas and and pushing forward and kicking my butt and holding me accountable, all that stuff. So good. Yes. Because I knew where my weaknesses were. And so I looked for somebody who could kind of fill in those gaps. She also took all the tech. She took like, so I had nothing to hide behind. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) And we just, honestly, we just kind of stole your podcasting process. And we said, all right, we'll sit down and we will map out, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks at a time. And that's what we're going to focus on. And we just committed to it. And I will say that was probably one, it was scary 
as you talk about many times in the podcast, it's scary to make those kinds of investments, but it was perfect because I know I wouldn't be here today without that help. Yes. So true. And then tiger time. Okay. Talk (laughs) to me about tiger time. I had to get super protective. And Amy, just like what you talked about earlier in this interview, I was really good maybe for a week or two at protecting my time for my own business. But then I'd let everything sneak in and take precedence. Ah, I know. I know. It's like you get going, you think this is going to work, and then other things start creeping in and you realize, and those of you who don't know Tiger Time, I did an episode about it. I'll link to it in the show notes. But you realize this time that you set aside to create and make it happen starts to dwindle and now it's not even on your calendar anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or I'm letting everything else take precedence, even maybe the laundry. Yes. Just as an avoidance tactic, right? Yes. And so I had to get super protective of my time. And so Bridget, my business manager, she would say, all right, Michelle, what are you committing to do in this time? And so we meet first thing every Monday, because that's what works for us. And I would lay it out. And so I would commit, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I would do. So instead of allowing myself to wonder about what's coming next, or instead of allowing myself to fill up my time with other things, I was committed and I was going to hold myself accountable and she was going to hold me accountable. And it just, we just took it baby step by baby step. So good. I love it. And then I'm going to be really honest about six weeks before I was going to go live with my under the radar launch, I began to get really overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by the kids, by my husband, by my business, by everything that was leading up to the launch. Because even though it was a small one, I wasn't doing like ads and all that stuff. I still had to put a lot of effort into it and writing a gajillion emails, blog posts. Like I was just starting to get really overwhelmed by it. And instead of going down that path of I'm going to let myself get overwhelmed and I'm going to tell that story that I'm just too overwhelmed, I can't do it. I said, you know what? I'm actually going to take myself out of this situation and I'm going to go have a little mini retreat just with myself. And I'm going to give myself space to just do what needs to be done. And if that means going for a walk, go for a walk. If that means working until midnight, I'm going to work till midnight just when I felt like it. And I took a three day, I just got an Airbnb somewhere and I just went by myself I just took three days to just be, and it was amazing how much I was able to get done instead of like trying to sit in my office at my computer with like the clock ticking in the background and me just getting more and more frustrated. And it helped tremendously. Oh, that is so good. I think just getting away for a moment, if you can make it work and creating that space for yourself changes your whole perspective around all of this. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, I just went somewhere I could drive to that was far enough away that I couldn't come home easily. And I don't even think it was $300 because it was just at a little Airbnb. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. That's fantastic. Yeah, you don't even have to spend a lot of money to make it happen, but sometimes we just need what I call that white space. And if that means getting away from the home, I know you've got kids and I know it's hectic, so that makes a huge difference. Yes, yes. Okay, so good. So we have saved the best for last. How did you get over those failed launches, pick yourself back up again, and launch your course? That is a great question. So the first thing I did is I said, it doesn't matter. 
I have goals. I wanted five people from my email list to say yes. But I said, but if nobody says yes, that's okay, because I know how to go back and test it. So I, I took the pressure off myself. But because of all the testing I did and the money people had already invested along the way, I felt really comfortable and confident in moving forward because I knew that this is what people wanted. It's what they were asking me for. It's what they were saying. Okay, you know, I can't wait till this comes out. I know some people who might want this. And one of the people who ended up buying my course actually said, hey, Michelle, I came to your webinar just because I wanted to get the information that you promised from the webinar. I had zero intention to actually buy. But after you went through the offer, it was such a no brainer. I couldn't say no. And I have to say, like, I had a huge smile on my face because I went, that was the missing piece. Yes. Knowing what was in people's minds, knowing what they were looking for, and knowing how I could uniquely help them, that was what was missing from all my previous launches. I love it. That confidence of knowing what they want and the fact that you actually did the work. There was no guessing game after those mini offers and getting people on the phone and really understanding who they were, what they wanted, what they were having challenges with. You were showing up during your launch in a way that you were basically saying, I know you, I know who you are, and I know what you need. Yeah. And that's a game changer. Even just how you show up on the webinar, that's a game changer. A hundred percent agree. I wasn't there to prove anything. I was simply there to say, here's what I've got. And this is for you if it sounds interesting. Ah, so good. So good. Okay. So talk to me about the results. So for me, my goal for myself was just to prove that I could do this. Yes. (laughs) Just to prove that from front to back that I could put this together and that it would come together. And my big goal, my dream was that I would get five founding members because remember, I was only working with this previously dead list that I had worked hard to warm up. And I ended up with 10 people straight out of the gate. I actually have had two more since then. And I didn't I didn't do ad spend. I didn't I was just purely under the radar. It was just offering as a part of my emails. I, like I ramped up my emails a little more. I did a challenge and a webinar, but I was just like testing each of these elements. How does the challenge work? How does the webinar work? Like I was just testing each thing along the way. And I had a segment of my list that I was doing about 1900 people. So it wasn't huge. And from that, you know, I got 10 sales. Okay. So let's talk about this. I wanted to bring you on Michelle, because I know you're planning for a really big launch after you've done all this work to figure out what works. And before you do that really big launch, I wanted you on the show because this episode is not about making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but instead it's more about learning who you are as a marketer, what you're capable of, and more importantly, what your audience needs and what they want. And now you have the foundation. Now I have no doubt in my mind that this can be scaled. And I want to make a point that It's not that you were playing small so that you didn't do an ad spend or you didn't go full out with a big, huge launch. I would say, and tell me if you agree with this, that you were genuinely being an investigator, doing the work, finding out what actually is going to work and getting it right before you put in the effort to really launch. Would you agree? A hundred percent. 
listen, I'm not afraid to invest. I really am not. In fact, the second failed launch that I had, I spent, I think about $12,000 in ads. I was just throwing money at it. And that's in addition to the money I spent for lots of other things, right? This time I was like, before I go out there and I go big and I start putting a ton of money into it, I want to make sure that, that I'm validating that this is actually what people want. And so I really feel good now about the plan that I have. Also, Amy, my course wasn't 100% done. Yes. I wanted to pre-sell so that number one, it gave me a reason to finish the course, but number two, so that I could validate that people again wanted it. Yes. We haven't really talked about that enough, but you did not record all of the modules beforehand, but instead you did a little bit beforehand and then you finished it after people put the money down and bought it. And I love the whole pre-sale model. Yeah. I was a little nervous about the pre-sale model. I'm not going to lie because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's going to really put me under pressure. But then I was like, no, it's actually going to hold me accountable in a whole different way. Yes. I totally agree with that. There's pros and cons of pre-selling, but you really hit on the pros with how you did it here. Okay, so to wrap everything up, I wanna know what's one thought you might wanna leave my listeners with who may have tried to launch, but they failed miserably and they're feeling defeated about that. Yeah, and I've done a lot of soul searching myself on this. And Honestly, in my past failed launches, I hate to admit this, but you know, I committed to come on and be vulnerable and share. I was really more about the money. I was really more about the outcome and the cool marketing and making a name for myself than I was about helping or serving people. And I think that that came out. That came out mm-hmm. as I was doing it. It came out in how I approached the marketing because I got really caught up in the stories, the huge success stories that I I love to hear. But I got caught up in those that people would tell about their huge launches and their big money paydays. And when it didn't happen right out of the gate for me, I just wasn't committed enough to making a difference, to connecting with people, to building a tribe, like all that stuff that I just didn't buckle down and try to find out why. Okay. This is big here. The fact that you admitted this, so many people feel this way. I have totally been guilty about making it about the money versus serving and showing up in the way that I want to help my students. And you're right. You hear about all these big launches. You rarely hear about the misses that they had to endure to get to where they're at. And so then you get just frustrated. And when you make it about the money, of course, you don't want to spend time on emailing every single week blogging and podcasting and doing all the mini offers that you did and all the work you need to do up front, getting on the calls. When it's about the money, all of that feels like a chore. But when you flip that script and you really make it about serving and helping all of that stuff, you start to see it in a whole different light. A whole, not only a whole different light. I mean, that's a hundred percent true, but my energy and how I approach it and what I got out of the work that I put into it was totally different. I didn't feel like it was a chore. Right. I felt like I'm laying the foundation for a sustainable business. And this is really important work to do to connect with people. Yes, for sure. And you've grown a lot since then. So now it is about serving. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's about serving. I know that I'm not worried about getting clients or anything like that. Like I was in my early days. So now I know that I can focus on serving. I can focus on getting to know people and I can focus on creating something that'll help them get what they want, which is really 
where I wanted to be to begin with, but that wasn't where I was in my first couple launches. Yes. So very true. And, you know, that connection and understanding with people, along with my desire to create something that truly helps people, just took my focus off the sales numbers. It took the pressure off me. I didn't really care if I was impressing people. Like all of that stuff just went out the door because that's not what it was about anymore. And because it wasn't about that anymore, it freed me up emotionally and creatively to do stuff that I might not have done before. That's a big one as well. When you are doing it for the wrong reasons or feeling really defeated, your creativity is completely stifled. Yeah, 100%. And how you show up or what you do is more to put a mask on to look good for the world versus true. And and even if people don't know that it's not 100% true, they can feel that it's not. And I know that's true for me. Like I'm, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for me that when I try to put a mask on about, hey, everything's fabulous, People can feel that something's a little off in what's going on here. For sure. For (laughs) sure. This has been such an awesome conversation. It's been vulnerable and very true to your own experience. And I know it will resonate with so many of my listeners. So tell me this, where can people learn more about you? Yeah, well, my online home is at michellelevans.com. But Amy, I've actually put together a special page for your listeners with some examples and some printouts from my mini offers, because I'm sure some people are saying, okay, but what does that actually look like, Michelle? So if they're interested in that, they can definitely see behind the scenes of what those look like. I'll give screenshots and, you know, be open and transparent on that. None of these offers are available for sale anymore. So it's really just take it for your own business. But that's at michellelevans.com forward slash Amy. Great. And we'll link to it in the show notes. But I like when you guys can actually get examples of what my guests have talked about on the show. So I think you're going to find it really valuable. Michelle, thank you so very much for your time. This has been an awesome story, an awesome journey to share with you. And I'm so excited that you got to be on the show with me. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Talk to you soon. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Michelle. I love how she took courses that convert and she made it her own. I love the gems she shared around re-engaging an email list, creating mini offers for testimonials, and getting past those mindset blocks that we all come up against. Now, if you're thinking, Amy, I'm kind of interested in courses that convert, how do I check it out? Well, I've got a free masterclass that will help you get started with your course creation. All you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash free to check it out, sign up, grab your spot and really dive in to what it looks like to create an online course. And again, did I mention it's a free masterclass now switching gears just a bit. Let me talk to you about next week's episode because I'm very excited about hitting that 200 episode mark and I didn't want to do it alone. So I've invited some of my friends on the show and you're going to hear from Jeff Walker and Russell Brunson, Jasmine Starr, Jenna Kutcher, Tarzan, my copywriter, Stu McLaren, James Wedmore, and so many more. And they're actually going to be talking about something very specific how they've done things differently, how they've broken the rules, how they haven't followed all the strategies that every online marketer is using, how they kind of shook things up a bit in their own businesses and how you can do the same. I absolutely love this episode. I can't wait to share it with you. I will see you again here next week with the 200th episode. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.